Hello and welcome to the Flying Frisbee podcast with me Dominic Frisbee and today we ask if Liz Truss as Prime Minister will mark a turning point for the pound. Pound crashes to weakest level since 1985 in blow to Truss. Ran the headline on the Telegraph website yesterday. The Bank of England had one job today, as economist Sean Richards put it, which was to talk up the pound, and instead their waffling sees it at $1.14. Theresa May flash crash aside, that is a 37-year low, and that's measuring it against the dollar. If you measure the pound's purchasing power against essential basics, such as energy or houses, its performance has been way more woeful. And it's not just the pound, even if the pound is one of the worst offenders. It is all fiat money. I've been banging on about it for 20 years, but I may as well bang on some more. Fiat money and its devaluation is the greatest and most pernicious intergenerational theft in history. When you devalue money, among numerous other things, you devalue salaries, which is to devalue labour. And all the young have is their labour. You boost the value of assets, meanwhile, which is why, which is what the old have acquired over the course of their lives. And the net result is to transfer wealth from young to old, compounded over decades, 5% one year, 8% another. This process has been devastating. And don't get me started on the knock-on effect. Smaller families started later in life and all the rest of it. So many people of my generation and above think they are business geniuses because they paid the market rate for a house 30 or 40 years ago. You're not. Systematic and incremental devaluation by successive administrations was what did it. The Bank of England, the Federal Reserve Bank, the European and Japanese Central Bank. Central banking has a lot to answer for. And it feels like we might finally be in some kind of endgame for fiat money now. Mind you, I thought we were in the endgame in 2008, so I'm probably wrong this time as round as well. I've no doubt some new magic words even more unintelligible than quantitative easing are being conjured up as I write. Right, that's the rant over. I had to get that off my chest. Let us move on. We have a new government. Money is the issuance of government. The weak pound is all over the headlines. So I thought it would be an interesting exercise today to look first at the performance of the pound by successive governments over the past generation and then to consider whether one should be a buyer or a seller here. Buy on silence, sell on headlines is a good little investment motto that I've just invented. When something makes the headlines, there is often not a lot of narrative left in the tank. The story is mature and the next stage is exhaustion. It's a standard contrarian market psychology. Does the fact that the weak pound has made the headlines mean it is time to take the other side of the trade and go long? It could be. So we're going to start with a chart of the pound against the dollar, a.k.a. cable, since 1970. And by the way, the dollar has a much larger market cap than the pound. So what is going on on the other side of the pond tends to have a greater effect on cable than what is happening here. And that's the case at present. The pound is weak, but so is the euro, the yen, and any other number of currencies you care to mention, except the Russian ruble, of course. Current pound weakness is as much a function of US dollar strength as anything. Um, if you look to the chart of the pound against the euro over the last three years, it's much flatter. In any case, though, cable is the benchmark, so here is the pound against the dollar since 1970, when it was $2.40. The broader trend is down. 
but there are periods of relative strength, 1976 to 1981, 1985 to 1991, 2000 to 2007. And we've basically been in a downtrend since 2007, shortly after Tony Blair stood down and Gordon Brown became PM. It is what is known in the game as a secular bear market. Now, these charts, by the way, are in the article. Consider the same chart, but this time I've overlaid the government. Even though several prime ministers have led successive governments, Wilson, Thatcher, Major, Blair, for example, for the sake of clarity and simplicity, I've simply marked the chart by PM. And needless to say, the dates of the reds and blue lines, they're approximate. Now, the first observation to make is that despite their reputation for fiscal competence, the Tories have not been good stewards of the currency. In the case of Edward Heath and David Cameron, the pound was marginally stronger when they stood down than it was when they took office. Um, despite his presiding over Black Wednesday and the ERM fiasco for John Major, the pound was only a few percent lower than it was when he started. But in the case of, and this one surprised me, Margaret Thatcher, plus Theresa May and Boris Johnson, it was much lower. Labour's record is mixed. Harold Wilson saw it lower, Jim Callaghan higher. That surprised me as well. Tony Blair has the best record of all. Went from roughly $1.60 to $2.10 under him. And Gordon Brown has the worst. That said, Blair was one of the few PMs, perhaps the only one, to stand down from a position of strength. Normally PMs are stood down because there's something voters or MPs or both are not happy with, which will be reflected in a weak currency. So back to today. The latest move in the dollar has been extraordinary. Um, I've been long suggesting, as you know, that the US dollar index could go as high as 120, which would be another 10% from here, although exhaustion indicators are starting to appear. But at a certain point, purchasing power parity will kick in and currencies will reflect relative valuations. And on a purchasing power parity basis, the pound is very cheap at $1.14. The other observation I make about that chart is that new administrations have, have often, sorry, somebody's keeps WhatsApping me. Um, the other observation is that new administrations often mark turning points in the currency. Uh, there was a case for Wilson, for Callaghan, Major, Brown, Cameron, May and Johnson. And despite the Tories' record for incompetence, Liz Truss has put together a cabinet that is, broadly speaking, actually conservative. Unlike previous administrations, it's not full of wets and social democrats who happen to be in the Conservative Party. Lower taxes and less spending, I'll believe that when I see it, should lead to economic growth, which should help the currency. The big kahuna, though, is where the Bank of England base rate goes, and indeed the Fed funds rate. I'd say there is not an unreasonable chance that with a new government, we could mark a turning point for the pound. We are at a point of extremity where such a turn could happen. But let's see what the government does first before we get too excited. As I say, another not unreasonable possibility, not totally unreasonable, is that we're in the end game for fiat. In that case, the pound slides below parity. Ooh, with the dollar that is. Um, anyway, thank you very much for watching. Please subscribe to my channel and to my Substack. Um, if you want to buy gold to hedge yourself against all of this, my recommended dealer is the Pure Gold Company, with whom I have an affiliation deal. Um, 
There's a link to them in the article. And if you're in London on September the 28th or the 29th, my lecture with funny bits, how heavy, about the history of weights and measures is coming to the Museum of Comedy. It's a 7 to 8 p.m. show, so you can come along and go out for dinner after. Nice evening. I'll put a link to buy tickets in the comments. This is a very interesting subject. Not in the comments, in the article. Effectively, it's how you perceive the world. And I hope to see you there. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, until the next time, goodbye.